Welcome back to Midwest Girls. Hey everybody. Hey. So we are back together. I know last week it was just me and Jesse and he was my Midwest man. Um, but I haven't we, heard it yet. So <laughs> we have stuff. another Midwest man with us today, <laughs> Herbert. And before we get to all that, we always want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Tubes & Co. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I actually have a face full of Tubes & Co. Co right now. Wow. Including, I don't know if my lipstick probably rubbed off, but other than eyeshadow, getting into the details. But anyways, you can get any skincare product, makeup, some balm now. They even have soaps. You have deodorant. Um, deodorant. I'm personally excited about that. Yeah. And um, it's good. I tried the lavender and Did whatever you? one. Yeah. Kind of burnt my mouth. <laughs> I think it was, I think I react to lavender weird. Really? Yeah. That's sad. Because even when I use the essential oil, I kind of have a reaction. Really? Yeah. It doesn't calm you down. Fun fact. No, it does not calm me down. Oh, no. It burns. burns. <laughs> Anyways. That's weird. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Herbert, how are you glad you're here? <laughs> um, anyways, the code is MidwestGirls10. Use our link in the show notes and you will get a special discount code or discount and it will go back to your favorite podcast. That's right. Proceeds will go back to your favorite podcast. And so also if you want some new merch. Yeah. What is that code? That's also Midwest, Midwest Girls 10. 10. I try to keep things uh, simple when I did that. Mm -hmm. um, so I could remember and apparently I still can't remember it. All right. So <laughs> all caps for that too. Anyways. Yeah. We'll get to why we're really here. And that is to share the power of a testimony. And Herbert is going to, I just know he's going to do great things. The Lord's been working through him, and we can't wait to hear yeah, like, what he has to say. How many times was it, Herbert, where we were just conversing, and we were like, stop, this needs to be on the podcast. <laughs> I, I heard Kylie say it like three times. Yeah, <laughs> I tried so, to rein it in. So we, we prayed, we prayed, and we're just really excited because we feel that God has really ordained this interview today. Yes. So with that... Herbert, you can introduce you yourself start? and take yourself take yourself away. Take yourself take, yourself, take it away. Take it away. <laughs> uh, my name is Herbert Pereira Jr. and I was born and raised in Chicago. I was in the army for nine years, and I met my wife online mm -hmm. while I was in Iraq. Um, I uh, uh, I didn't start reading the Bible till we just left to our my last deployment, and uh, I was. Uh, Going through divorce, really bad divorce, and I was thinking, Lord, I'm just lonely. And I said, I and I heard the testimony of four other people, in, in in a matter of a month, and all they did was, how did you find the woman you're so happy with? Mm -hmm. They all said the same thing. I put God first. Wow. So I put God first, and I met my wife two months later, and it's been 14 years since Saturday. Oh wow! So congrats. That's yeah, we've been married 12. Okay, yeah, but so, together 14. Yeah, all together 14. Yeah. Hey. She waited two years for me to get out of the Army. Wow. I know. <laughs> so, Herbert, how long were you in the Army? Nine years. Nine years. Yes, eight years, eight months, no days, no weeks. Wow. So Exactly. Just exactly. You, yeah, it's, as a soldier, when you, when you serve time, it's like jail. You remember how long you were in. Wow. And how many deployments? Uh, 
twice to Iraq, but the second time we went to Iraq, we were in tour for three months and they shipped us from Iraq to Afghanistan. And that's where my testimony comes in. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. Yes. No yes. Thank you. Um, but uh, I was talking to your dad and I've told your dad years ago and he's been trying to get me to do an upwards testimony. And I was <laughs> like, did. no. No, no. That's when my little boy was playing. Yes. And, um, I coached Herbert's son in basketball with my dad. Yep. Cool. And he loved it. Yeah. He loved He's it. He's so sweet. Um, and uh, then he got me last year and he just said, he goes, hey, I, just, I want you to go ahead and can you please consider it? And I was in a place where I was like, okay, Lord, you come up to me, you tell me something, I'm just going to say yes. Steve comes up and I'm like, oh. Here goes Stevie. And Steve, Steve's walk, he's, he says it real quick and he walks away. I go, hold on. Sure, I'll do it. That's awesome. I'm like, oh. And then I go tell my wife and she's like, I thought you didn't want to. And I go, yeah, but I told God if he comes up to me, I'm going to say yes to everything he says. You give God the green light. He's like, let's do yeah. this. That's so, all I needed. So uh, I went ahead and my testimony is um, being in war. Uh you don't actually have to leave the base that you're on. We call them FOBs, Forward Operating Bases. And I saw soldiers who never left the FOB, and they're needed. They're, they're, they call them FOB rats when I was, when I was there. <laughs> but they, weren't, they were essential. They were in the office. They were giving us our coordinates. They were our supply. They, they were essential. They were needed. Mm -hmm. So there was no reason for them to have to leave, but it didn't keep them out of danger. Ooh. There were still rockets and mortars that were coming in. And, um, and then being in, in war, um, there's gunshots in the, off in the distance. Uh, my first tour, I was in field artillery, so we had the Paladin, which is like a giant tank. Uh, it's a real cool tank, and I was the mechanic for it. And um, you'd hear those, they would shoot off missions for special forces, or they would, they would do what they needed to do. Mm. And you always heard the explosions and the guns, and the sirens would go off, which sounded like tornado sirens. Mm. And I would, I, in the beginning, I would hear them, and they would keep me up, and I was wondering where they landed. And you could hear them landing, and then I, we started talking amongst ourselves, I'm pretty sure that was a rocket because I think mortars sound louder than rockets. So we're trying to make light of the situation. Light of something very scary and dangerous, in fact. Yeah, because like. you don't know if it's going to come right up to... We have sandbags on the outside of where we're sleeping. So if it lands on the outside, we're good. But we don't have sandbags on the roof. And even if we did, that's, you know, the weight's still going to go through. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it's just... Um, but it came to a point where I was on... A, 10 days out of the month, I was on the QRF, Quick Reaction Force. So I had, I had to get rest. And even if, uh, even if I was on, wasn't on that, there was tower guard, or there was escort, or there was security, or I had to work in maintenance. So it didn't matter where, we, where I was, I had to get some sleep. Mm -hmm. So I slept like a baby. And, um, and then uh, we had a blackout fob, and uh, in the blackout fob, um, it means that you walk around with a green light or a blue light or a red light. So when they shoot the mortars at night, they, they don't know where they're shooting them. They're just randomly guessing. Oh. So, you know, that way that you're not an easy target. So my first tour, I, I left um, with uh, Afraid of the Dark, but I didn't realize that. You know, there's a lot of things you go through and you don't realize it until later. So my second tour, it was a lot harder. We got to uh, Iraq. 
and um, everything was good. I met my wife on April 1st. I wrote her a letter when I saw her online. Mm. It was her brown eyes. And, <laughs> and, um, and she, she made the mistake of writing back. And, uh, but uh, then they told us that we had to go to Afghanistan. So when we went to Afghanistan, that very first day that we landed, we were waiting to, to figure out where we were sleeping because we didn't know where anything was. Uh, we were at uh, Kandahar Air Force Base, mm-hmm. Air Force Field. And uh, they call it, we called it CAF. And we were just waiting to find out where we needed to be. And then as soldiers were starting to walk out, we were told to, the last of us were told to wait. We had to get back on the airfield. I'm thinking, we just got here. Are we leaving? I mean, I don't mind. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, a soldier had died. So what happens is that you go ahead and um, there's a formation and it's being recorded for the family. Mm-hmm. So all the soldiers are, are told that are on the, on the FOB to come to the air, airfield and we give the salute. And the uh, chaplain gives his words and then they, they, they put the soldier on the plane in a coffin. Oh. But that was every week. Every week. So... Sorry. It's okay. Mm. Um, every week. Um, so, um, I was uh, on RSD, uh, we were, my company was, um, or my platoon, sorry. We were on RSD, RSD is a roadside uh, detachment. So whenever a vehicle would get blown up, maintenance had to recover that vehicle and put it on uh, on the back of our PLS or a five ton, whatever it is, so that we can gather the pieces and take it back onto us so that we can dispose of it instead of the enemy finding something that they could use against us. So uh, we were assigned to pull the security for maintenance as they were recovering the vehicles. Um, uh, I was able to give the testimony without crying. Oh, we cry all the time. That works. And that sometimes just a sign that the Holy Spirit is just moving, so mm-hmm. it's totally fine. <laughs> but amongst all of this, um, it didn't matter what was happening, I got sleep. I had to get sleep. And we tell our kids that all the time. You know, can I stay up another hour? No. Go, how about two? No. What are you talking about? You need to get rest. I'm good. No. You need to get rest. And we're trained at basic at, at basic that... We're taught that um, sleep is essential. Yeah. Sleep can slow your reflexes down. Sleep can give you a sluggish mind, and you're not you want to be there 100. Yeah. percent And it's not just for yourself. You're there, and you're there for your battle buddy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the reason someone doesn't go. <sighs> mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to fight it, so it keeps, <laughs> yeah, keeps bubbling no, up. Don't fight it. Do what you need to do. <laughs> um, so rest was always essential. So Afghanistan, we were only there for nine months. Um, 
so I only served a, a year in my last tour, three in Afghanistan, uh, Iraq and uh, nine in Afghanistan. We were told we were going to do 15, that they wanted us to do 12 months in Afghanistan. But uh, orders change and stuff happens. So, um, so I never had issues sleeping. I, I would eat uh, after a, a firefight, um, hearing about other soldiers dying, you know, it, it, it wasn't that I was being cold hearted. It wasn't that I was being callous. It did affect me. <laughs> um, man, I've seen your show. I've been saying I wasn't going to cry. Oh, that's okay. And, uh, You need to eat, you need to rest, you need to be at your best. Mm -hmm. And um, so you were doing that. You're, so what you're saying is I'm, I'm not doing this because I'm not feeling anything. I'm doing this so that I can protect, so I can serve with my best. Exactly. It's not that those things didn't bother you. You were on mission. Exactly. You were getting it done. Yeah. Um, so it was the, the longest year of my life. And, um, hmm. I just, I had the longest day of my life when, um, <clears throat> when I lost a friend, um, you know, that's one of the things I, uh, I noticed about your show. Y'all need tissues. <laughs> we do need tissues. We do. You would think that. We would. Stevie's on it. Stevie's on it. Nobody can see him. Um, in the background. When he died, um, everything happened in seconds. Oh. <laughs> you don't... Um, it uh, plays in your mind very slow. Um, but, uh, um, we recovered the vehicle and we were able to get to the airfield. Um, everyone in the vehicle died. No one survived. Goodness. And, uh, Lawson, he was, a uh, Daniel Lawson, he was a gunner like me, but, uh, um, they used to call him preacher because, uh, if the chaplain wasn't available, he was there to pray for everybody before they even left on mission. Mm. And, uh, mm. when, uh, when he died, like I said, I, I was just starting to, uh, read the Bible. Now, I, my father was an atheist. My mother was Christian. So that was, that was one heck of a household. Um, yeah, wow. I always had uh, my mother to fall back on and thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had uh, my mother fall back on to, to, for the word. So I knew of God. I knew of Christ. Um, 
I did my, I, I followed when I was young, but then I got into the world and it's easy to get into the world because like the Bible says, um, we prefer darkness over the light. Yes. And since I saw my father being my father and I'm still my father's son. Mm -hmm. So I got into the world and then um, I didn't want to do anything with the world. And 9-11 happened and I joined right after I was 24 when 9-11 happened. And mm. my birthday is in November. So I uh, ended up joining just a few, uh, about six months after 9-11 yeah. at 25. Wow. And um, when Lawson died, it crossed my mind that if, if a man... A man who... Followed God in that way. Mm, ain't um, him following God, and he went everywhere with his Bible, and I was too because I was just starting to read it. Yeah. And um, I didn't even know that about him until we were out there. Um, I used to call him old man because he was six months older. <laughs> uh it crossed my mind that if a man of God like that could die, what chances do I have? Mm -hmm. We went back. I went to my room, I fluffed up my pillow. <laughs> I went to sleep. Because even not being told, we didn't finish our mission. And I knew that we were going to be finishing it the next day. And I tried to tell a couple of my battle buddies, they all need to get rest and no one could sleep. Oh, yeah. um, I did. I went ahead and, and slept. And... Then we get back in 2010, and um, it's almost a whole year. I'm almost out of the army, and um, I find myself in this really nice office on this really nice chair, and I have a psychologist across from me, and my issue is now I can't sleep. Mm. And she gives me, um, she tells me there's, uh, we have something that can help you, and, and I said, what do you mean? And she goes, I'm going to diagnose you with PTSD. And um, uh, I said, I just came in here because I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, she said, well, I have, a, I have some options for you. Uh, there's the medication uh, that we can give you. And I said, I don't want to take the pills. Is there another option? And she turned around and she says, yes. And I'm pretty sure when she told me that, she thought I was just going to jump all over the pills. She says, we have um, outpatient minor shock therapy. Uh, basically, what she was going to do was stick mini miniature jumper cables on each of my ears, send electricity through my brain, and then tell me to drive home right after. So that was the other option. Why? That's not... I'm, I'm not making that up. That was the other option. So I said, okay, 
uh, no, is there a third one? And she said, no, you have those two. No way. And uh, I, 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 I felt a little desperate. And I said, well, um, you know, like a, like a child that's always in trouble, what you do is you say, well, my mom's that. <laughs> you know, if you're driving around and you were speeding, you can notice that, well, my mom told me I had to hurry home. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe the cop will let you go. Yeah. So I just pulled the mommy card out and I said, well, my mom said that if I just read the Bible, that I will get some sleep. Mm. And uh, I said, can I try that? And she just kind of stared at me for a minute and she said, sure. Wow. I said, well, I'll, I'll, we'll let you, I'll let you go for the weekend, see how you're doing. And then when you come back next week, we'll talk. Mm. And... Uh, so that night, it was Friday, and I was like, oh my God. So I get home, and um, I grab the Bible, and I'm like, I'm going to read it. I said, Lord, my mom said that your word has power, and um, I don't know if it does, but uh, I, I'm just going to read your word and see what happens. And my favorite book is the book of Genesis. I love Genesis. I love the genealogy and everything in it. Wow. I love the different stories. I love the story of Joseph. It's so significant in my life today. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's got 50 chapters, and I read to 44, and I had the best night I ever had in my entire life. Praise I God. slept like a baby. Praise yeah, God. the glory goes completely to God. Wow. So now it's years later. It's, it's about 20... 13, I'm having problems in my marriage because of my PTSD. Now, I'm, I'm using the Bible to sleep. I'm using the Bible to get some rest. Um, and, uh, but I'm still, I still have uh, problems with anger. I'll rage out for, for the smallest things. It doesn't matter. I'll get angry real quick. Um, cussing. Um, I still had uh, anxiety. Uh, we got a, a dog and my wife, she can tell when I was anxious or depressed and she's such a wonderful woman. <sighs> Truly, I am blessed by having her. Um, the Bible says that uh, a wife is a favor from the Lord. Yes. So truly God blessed me, a favor being a blessing or a gift. And uh, she is my gift. Oh, that's so beautiful. So, um... Uh, she tells me, honey, why don't you go do that thing you do to walk around the house? And I said, pull perimeter? She was like, sure. I said, okay. And I grabbed the dog. So we go walk around the house. So I feel a little better. Mm -hmm. And it's just my anxiety. And I would have to say maybe even some paranoia because then I, I'd have to check the windows. I didn't, I couldn't sleep because I felt like someone was going to break in mm -hmm. and I needed to make sure the doors were locked. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it was causing problems in my marriage and, uh, um, I didn't know what direction to go in. So I looked at the Bible and I said, Lord, you healed me of, of, of my sleeplessness. And if, uh, if, I'm, if you can heal me of my sleeplessness, I, if I read a little bit more, maybe you could heal me of everything else. Mm. And I did, but I didn't know where to read. I didn't know how to start or should I be reading a specific book over and over and over. Uh, how often should I read it, you know? And I looked up Billy Graham and I was like, well, Billy Graham's, you know, it's a great teacher right there. It's an evangelist. And 
uh, I was like, all right, let's see what Billy does in the morning when it comes to the word. And Billy Graham said that he reads one chapter of Proverbs and five chapters of Psalms every morning before he started his day. Mm -hmm. He would be in prayer and he would read those. Wow. So that's what I did. And I've added a couple chapters. So I read eight chapters now every morning. And the one thing I didn't say at the upwards is because um, it's more detailed. You know, I'm cured of my PTSD. And that's one of the things that I, I told your dad. And that's one of the things I tell other people when I, um, when I see them struggling. I keep trying to tell my army buddies, look, I'm telling you, you need to read. Mm. You read, you're going to get some sleep. You read... And you're going to get cured of that. And it just makes me wonder, like, even when you went to the, was she a psychologist? Okay, and the psychologist, oh my goodness, like, the, the word healed you. The Lord healed you. Like, what if that were given out as medicine? Yeah. My goodness, how many people could we help? Like, yeah, exactly. there should be a spiritual side to this because it's, I mean, it's well proven now. Mm -hmm. We are physical, emotional, spiritual beings. Why is that being neglected? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I suppose they have the chaplains, like you say, but they are separating that into the medical, like that's strictly medical. Mm -hmm. It is not strictly medical. Yeah. Oh, man. Sorry, it gets me a little fired up. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine, but you're right there. Yeah. Um, I tell people at work, I said, all you got to do is read a little bit. And if you're having trouble sleeping, read, because that's what works for me. That's a testimony I share everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And that's how your dad heard about it. Because uh, um, until I met your dad, uh, it, was a whole, it was a whole process of things. I went through um, uh, restlessness, so I read to go to sleep. And then my PTSD was hurting my marriage, and um, and I didn't I didn't want to be my dad always coming home and yelling and cussing, and that's what I was doing. Is at some point I would get angry and I would be yelling, and it doesn't not necessarily at the kids. I'm just upset. Yeah. And um, and they would hear me cuss all the time, and I tried different things and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I read the way that Billy Graham did for about a week and I I didn't even notice until a few months later that my oldest turned around and said, uh, hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, uh, hey dad, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I said, for what? He said, you didn't, you didn't yell at Connor. You didn't cuss. You mm -hmm. just went ahead and told him not to do it again. <laughs> wow. And, um... Kids are so perceptive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. So, uh... Um... I went ahead and, uh... And that's when I realized. I was like, wow. Uh, I just... I kind of laughed and I said, you're right. I didn't. And it hit me. That worked. Yeah. Reading that much worked. And when I heard your father-in-law, mm -hmm. um, Bruce Bear, give his testimony, he he's over there, I forgot what country he was in, South, somewhere in South America. Yeah, was it, I think was it the Dominican? Mexico. Was it Mexico? Okay. He was in Mexico, and that's when he gave his life to Christ, yes. and he stayed up reading the book of James. Yes. And the book of James has five chapters in it. And when he turned around and said, the next day he had no anger and no and he didn't cuss one time. 
I, I went to go find Steve the very next day and I go, he doesn't know that's my testimony. That's what I've been trying to tell people. What a parallel. That's, like, like, I don't think that's a coincidence either. No, it's yeah. not. You know, I mean, Billy Graham read six, your father-in-law read five. five. That means that that right there, and he stayed up reading it and he was cured. He was healed of his anger. He was healed of his, uh, of, of, of what was inside of him always wanting to come out in cuss words. Do you know, um, my husband has a similar story. Um, before he knew me, even, he had really bad anger too. Like he would cuss. And people who know Jesse now would find this hard to believe. Like he's so happy-go-lucky, easygoing guy. But he, it wasn't that he read scripture, but he said he reached his breaking point something that had like happened with his ex-girlfriend. He wasn't abusive or anything, but you know, they had just really argued and he got home and he was like disgusted with himself. And he went, he, with, he said with the most sincere heart, he just like cried out to the Lord, take this anger out of me. And that from, he said the next day, it was just like yeah. gone. So the Lord can, like miraculous, I call that miraculous yeah. healing because I am someone who has struggled with anger too. Yeah, that that when that's physically bubbling inside of you, it is hard to ignore. Yeah. So I would. That's miraculous to me. For that's just gone. Yeah, and it's reading the Bible so that you 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 don't have that anger or or you don't have the anxiety or depression, and reading that much, it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a rule because God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's He can look at someone and say that's the exception. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but when I heard Bruce Bear say it, I was that was just confirmation on top. And I didn't listen to the, the podcast till I was coming here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, see, that's right there. That's uh, you y'all doing so good. Well, thank you, you don't realize. So, all glory to God. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Glory to God you first. You see that set up. <laughs> <laughs> and you've heard us get yes. <laughs> but I as I when I was starting this journey back in uh 2018 when I when when I realized that all right so the the Bible's really cured me of my my restlessness I if I'm sleeping and I read and I can't sleep I get up I I go to another room and I pray and then I come back and and I continue to read and there's been times where I don't even finish the verse I'm just out <laughs> so it that's not funny. I'm sorry. I no, laughed. No, no, because it's amazing. I did that last night. <laughs> it wasn't the Bible. It was actually one of the books I talked about on our books podcast. I love it so much. I'm revisiting it. I read it on my phone. I dropped the phone on my face. <laughs> I don't know how you read on your phone still to this day. But I, I, I will read before bed and the whole book will go. <laughs> yeah. What a wonderful feeling. Yes, like I realized, oh, is. you got to put that down. Yes. Yeah. What I love and there's a verse that said, God gives sleep to those he loves. Yeah. What? Yeah, he's paying attention that yes. much to yeah. each and every one of us. Yeah. So he knows when we're having those restless nights. Yes. And like Paul, when he had the thorn in his hip, he kept saying, God, why aren't you taking it? Why aren't you taking it? Now I'm blessing God for this mm -hmm. because this is my testimony. I've gone through it. If, if God did it for me, he could do it for you. Yes. And again, I bring up Bruce Banner because if he did, I'm like, he did it for him. It works. It just, I'm like, oh, how do I, I just want to tell so many people and I'm just so excited. And now I'm excited to be here because I just want more people to understand. Yeah. People that, will hear this. 
you, like you're, Jeremiah. It's burning within you. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but when I, in 2018, when I started asking people the question, sorry, <laughs> is the Bible truth? I started asking, um, I started finding out a lot. I didn't read it that much. I, I, I was reading it because it was helping me, but I, I, I realized later I didn't really trust the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized a lot of people didn't either. I couldn't find that one person I worked with at the time on, I was on third shift at the time. I couldn't find anyone on first shift, second shift, my shift that actually read the Bible daily like I was reading it. So you're saying believers, a mixture of believers and non-believers. Well, non-believers wouldn't read the Bible, right? Anyways. So yeah, so but talking believers, believers, I'm talking believers, yeah, okay. Christians, like they would they would go to church, and mm-hmm. I met a guy who went to church every Sunday, went to Bible study every Wednesday, and he would read books that had to do with the Bible, but never read the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy that's it's, it's that's so insane common. to me. It's insane to me, but I I'm seeing that uh, so much, and it. I always tell people, like, actually the hardest people to work with are Christians, are church people. Because a lot of times it's because they aren't reading their Bible. They They aren't doing their daily prayers. It's like when Jesus said um, to, I can get it straight. I was just reading this. Um, Mary Magdalene, when she is washing his feet and crying, and he's sitting in a room full of Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're like, why are you letting this woman uh, basically touch you? Yeah, like how could you even? And he was like, those who have been forgiven little, mm-hmm. they are basically thankful a little. Those who have been forgiven much, they they are overwhelmed with worship and praise. And that's just how I see like what you're talking about in this. Mm-hmm. Like church people, they can grow numb to it because they've been inundated with it and almost to the point where it's just white noise. Yeah. Which, what, how sad. It is sad. How sad. Um, but for the, those of us who have received healing, forgiveness, it's that, that should never not draw awe from us. Mm-hmm. Is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 yeah you're right. And um, as, I, as I kept asking, uh, I got different answers and, and people who went to church, didn't do Bible study, but tied. And I met a guy who turned around, he's just trying to get, he's like, he, when I, they, we have a, um, a little letter, a little news clipping that we do once a month throughout mm-hmm. the factory to um, introduce people and I got picked. And I told him that one of the things I love to do is uh, I love to read the Bible. Mm. And I he came up to me a few months later, and I never met the man before. Mm-hmm. I and uh, he says I I saw your your little thing about you love reading the Word of God and stuff. And he was comparing we were comparing notes and everything else. And he goes I feel like I'm ready to move to the next level. Wow. And I'm like well there's different things that you can try that I've learned in my studies because the way that I'm doing this is. I keep moving up. God keeps moving me up and I keep learning more and I'm having revelations about the word and it's, it's fascinating. Mm. I'm, I'm learning things that um, I'll, I'll hear Billy Graham say in a video later and I was like, I, I, that's what I just learned. Yeah. I love that God is showing me something and then I'm listening or to the pastor that I listened to, Omar Tebow, um, uh, Pastor Omar Tebow, he's in uh, uh, 
Louisiana, the Philadelphia Christian Church. I watch them every Sunday. They have their Bible studies on Tuesdays, and I watch those. And um, uh, I'm learning so much from them. And when I hear, like when I was coming here, Pastor Omar this Sunday was talking about um, uh, uh, your purpose. And I was just wondering, since I gave my testimony uh, three weeks ago, and then your dad asked me to do the podcast, I'm like, oh, is this my purpose? This is the purpose I was hoping that I would have, that I wanted to share what God had done to me, because I'm blessing God for it so that I can tell everyone who, who, who has ears to hear yes. that this helps. Yeah. Um, I'm getting off subject. Okay. But the, the Bible, so I ended up studying it, and I realized that I wanted to put more trust into the word. And when I was looking at the word, I remember standing above it and I was on third shift and I'm just standing there like, my wife's asleep, um, I'm about to leave to work. And I'm like, am I gonna take you? Am I gonna take you now with me? Am I, am I done reading you? Do I read when I come home? I'm like, now I'm wondering, do I bother reading the word? And I'm like, because I, I asked myself, I'm gonna, I, I rem let me start off. I remember looking at the Bible and saying, God, I'm going to put all my trust into your word. And as soon as I said that, I realized, wait a minute, I don't trust your word. Because when you have that moment of hesitation, it's like trusting someone. You know, you, you know somebody and they're saying, hey, I'll give you a ride home. Sure, not a, not a problem. And you're looking at the passenger seat, the door is open and you're like, you know what, I maybe not this time. Thank you, though, because mm. your your instincts comes in and you're wondering, do I really trust this? Do I really know this person? Okay. Do I really trust this person? Yeah. And uh, then it, it made me ask the question, is the Bible truth? And that's when I started asking everybody around me. And I wrote down some information. And I think I don't want to give names, but um, which I'm not I'm not saying but to give the name. <laughs> I remember I'm, I'm talking to um, a family member and I bring up is the Bible truth and he turns around and he tells me that he believes in God. He believes in Jesus. He believes that the Bible is just fairy tales. Oh my gosh. So I, I looked at him and I go, wait a minute, but that's where we get God from. That's where we get Jesus from. Right. And that's the same thought I had at that moment. If I'm, if I'm going to trust the word that's where I'm getting my faith from and my information about God. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doubting the word, am I doubting God? Mm. So I needed to start doing the research and I had to ask, is the Bible truth? And um, I, I think that's sound. I'm sorry to interrupt because no. Jesus is the word. Mm -hmm. exactly. Jesus is the word. So yeah. you're kind of like, am I doubting this book? But when the book is like literally Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Okay, exactly. keep going. But it, also in the Bible, it tells you um, don't trust man, right? Um, it's, it's um, I actually wrote it down. Not literally, you know what I mean by that. She's the fulfillment of the word. Yeah. Um, and then it says that uh, Jeremiah 17:5, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And then Psalm 118.8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And I started wondering, wait a minute, who wrote the Bible, mm. right? And I, I want to give a moment of doubt, but I'm going to give a moment of belief, Yeah. all right? So um, in 1972, they, uh, there was a company that did a survey and 90% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. Mm -hmm. 
49 years later, um, only 63% uh, of Americans consider themselves to be Christians now, mm -hmm. from 1972 to today. To today. And... Um, did they survey the same people, or is this just like another? No, it's a general oh, a survey. Okay, I, I, gotcha. I got the information from three different survey companies. Okay, gotcha. Um, and, 20, and last year, uh, they, all they did was a survey with Christians. How many people believe the word to be the literal... How many people believe the Bible to be the literal word of God? Only 20% of Christians said they believe the Bible to be the literal word of God. Oh my Only 20. It gets worse. Oh the last survey, I, I, it's from 2021, only 11% of Christians, American Christians, read the Bible daily. Oh only 11%. Oh my. So you have it from 63% to 20% that only believe the Bible to actually be true or truth. Mm -hmm. And then you have the uh, uh, only 11% of Christians from that 63% that read it daily. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, That's crazy. and I don't, I, I learned from my church, one of the things that um, I, I can't remember who said it first, you know, it becomes a religion and not a relationship. I heard you all say that plenty of time. Mm -hmm. That it was, it, it, is it the religion or the relationship? Mm -hmm. And it becomes a, a religion. It becomes a process. Oh, I got to do this on Sunday. Oh, we're going to do this on Tuesday. Oh, they're doing a study. Well, I'll just read this book because it's going to tell me anyways what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know my theory for that? Why we're more comfortable with religion than relationship? Yeah. Because easy. religion gives us control. Yeah. I don't have to surrender everything to Jesus. Religion yeah. means I can just do A plus B plus C mm -hmm. and I'm good. And I delude myself into thinking I'm set. Yeah. You might because my trust is ultimately in myself. Exactly. And not in God. Exactly. Yeah. Because the relationship, you give everything. Yes. Yes. Everything into that relationship. Yes. And, and that's, and that's what people don't want to do. <laughs> they don't want to give right. everything. At, when push comes to shove. We can say all the Christianese, we can hold the mug, and but the, where do you actions speak loud in the world? Yeah, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think that's even with like people to human to human relationships are these days. They want to say that they're friends with all these people, but they don't want to give anything necessarily to, to that that friendship, that yeah. relationship. They yeah. just want the title. Of sometimes even a title of having a husband or a wife. Yeah. And I'm like, that Ooh. is the worst thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. It, uh, like, um, be, uh, like being married, you mm -hmm. can say how much you love your spouse over and over. Yeah. My dad did it all the time, but my dad never showed it. Mm -hmm. And I and I knew that my mother always showed it to him, mm -hmm. but he never showed it back. So... That's that's a perfect example of trusting the Bible. Now, God has always been faithful to us. Yes. We have never been faithful to him. And then when that moment came along where I said, I'm going to dedicate myself to you, that's marriage. I, I got baptized um, when I was in Iraq, uh, in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I got baptized. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I believe that made a huge difference and, and brought me closer to getting... Um, that where I was saved, you know, mm -hmm. salvation, you know, um, but to 
to continue with the doubt part where God says, don't trust in man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and doing, there's 66 books, mm-hmm. uh, 66 books, 40 writers. Some people say 40 plus writers mm-hmm. in three different languages in the span of 3,500 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And then you get the translators that came down in 1611, the King James Version. And there's 47 scholars who broke the Bible into different pieces and then translated it into the English language. So here we are is that we're trusting 40 plus writers. Now we got another 47 translating it from three different languages, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that they're scholars. And they were broken up into teams and they had certain sections of the Bible to translate. So it wasn't the translation from one single individual. Right. It was a group of individuals who were translating the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Lord, how can you tell me to trust the word? And then you, you tell me. It has man's hands all over it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then as I continued and I kept praying and I kept searching, in Second Peter, um, one twenty and one twenty one, God claims full responsibility for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. He says that although these men wrote, in let me let me let me get that real quick. <laughs> when God went ahead and and said that these men were holy men who wrote the word, that they didn't write the word of their impression. They didn't write it because they had, this is what they thought. It was the Holy Ghost in these holy men who wrote the word. So now I put all of my trust because God is the one who wrote the Bible. And um, there's no mistaking. So when you find a mistake in the Bible, when you find a contradiction in the Bible, then the one person to blame is God. Um, I have it right here. I wrote a note. I said, God, God claims complete and total responsibility for every single word written. So in the end, the one to blame for any mistakes would be God. For it was the hand of God that guided the Bible in its making, letter by letter, word for word, story to story. Every single page must be perfect. Every single page must be flawless in its text and by its number because the Bible is set by its designer. Mm. So God being perfect, the Bible's perfect. Now that doesn't mean the King James translation is gonna be perfect. In all my studies, you have Billy Graham and the the pastor that I follow, Pastor Omar, he always says you gotta go back to the original Mm -hmm. text because there's, for example, love is used as one word throughout the English language. Mm -hmm. But if I'm right, there's Three different types of well, love. I think there's three in Hebrew, four in Greek. Yeah. There you go. See? And they all mean very exactly. different Exactly. Yeah. So when you go back to the original language and you're studying that verse, you break it down and you're like, oh, this is way deeper than yeah. I thought. Yes. So you always have to go back to the original text. Yeah. But going back to the original language that it was written in, mm-hmm. that's where you find your perfection. That mm-hmm. is where you find the hand of God when he had written that word. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you lose so much. I mean, the content still is the, I don't want to say the gist of the story is there because <laughs> it seems lighthearted, but the, when you dive into the language, you learn actually a lot of things, these, um, not I don't want to say non-essential issues, but these little minor issues that a lot of people argue over a lot of them are answered in the in the original text and in the context of history and exactly. in the context of history we lose so much um at, we get so confused as americans we 
I'm pinpointing Americans because uh, most people do not study, obviously, Hebrew or Greek, mm -hmm. and they don't know the Jewish culture of the time, mm -hmm. and or you know just in general. And so, unless they are a person is willing to do that deep diving, you can kind of make your beliefs based on false assumptions. Mm -hmm. Don't you think sense. Don't you think that would be the enemy's greatest plan? Oh yeah. To well, let's make them forget who they are, what their history is, so that mm -hmm. they're ignorant of the power they actually have. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we could we could cite how many things like when they took the Bible out of school, when you know, it, when education uh, was taken, was dumped down for lack of a better yeah, word, because the Bible, Thomas Jefferson even pushed that that was. You know, we were to learn it and we were to learn the values and the morals and the history that mm -hmm. used to be taught, not only in church, yeah. but in school. Well, what's yeah. funny, um, the book of Romans was used at Harvard Law School as the best debate, the way to debate. The people who attended Harvard Law School wow. were studying the book of Romans yeah. because of how Paul could set up a debate and debate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was just Harvard, but I know that was the... That was the university that I read in context. Yeah. But I, if you know, if Harvard was doing it, I have a feeling those other Ivy League schools, which were set up to create preachers and teachers, and look what is there what now. Become. They have an atheist as their chaplain at Harvard, right? Was it Harvard or oh, I the other? I'm Ivy sure. <laughs> I can't remember. If it, it's one of the Ivy League schools. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's Harvard. Yeah. But that's Herbert, crazy. you are a Berean. A what? A Berean. Do you know what a Berean is? <laughs> no. What book is that, Steve, where they reference the Acts? Acts. Mm -hmm. He goes, I desire, like, you would be like the, I'm saying this wrong, I'm butchering the verse, but it's, it's literally someone who takes the word to make sure that what is being taught to them is accurate. Oh yeah. You're a Marian. You're like the like hardcore. And we all need and to be awesome. We all need to be Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's just it scares me because I, as soon as I realize I'm taking I've learned that the Bible God showed me that the Bible is literal, um figurative and in parables. So you can take the word of God literal literally and parts of it figuratively, mm -hmm. and then of course you have your parables. Mm -hmm. And of course the most, the majority of the parables are in the New Testament, but you still have parables in the uh, Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And when I started seeing that, I started when I started to read, I wanted to make sure that was this taken literal or was it taken figuratively? Mm -hmm. And also in, in talking to a bunch of, especially atheists. One of the things is they said was that they always believed that the Bible was contradicting itself. Mm -hmm. And I love debating. Mm -hmm. I, ever since I was a kid, I was never in, in the debating Speech team. Debate? Yeah. yeah. I never was in high school. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I love the challenge. There's times when I, I'll even take the ladder when people think that's the underdog and they're going to lose. And I convince people to agree with me. Huh. And it's just to prove a point. And uh, God's given me that gift. But I learned that from my father. My father was a very good con man. And he could have, uh, he used to, he's a jeweler. Mm -hmm. So he used to have like five watches on him. And he would sell watches randomly. And, and he, they were good watches. It wasn't like they were cheap or anything. Yeah. And he would take the watch from someone. And uh, then he would go ahead and uh, ask which one they wanted. And he would sell them back their own watch. 
without them even realizing that they had just bought nothing. They bought the thing that was theirs. Wow. And when I saw him do this, I was like, whoa, that's very smooth. Uh-huh. And the way he was able to word his words, and he had a heavy accent. Uh-huh. So talking in English was his not his first language, and he was still able to do these yeah. kind of things. Wow. So looking at the word, um, you look like you have something. Oh, no, I just... Oh, well, I, I thought you only had the Bible open. Oh, I just I um, have something but that I was directed to, but might not even come up. It's not a good time to insert, oh. <laughs> is but, what I'm saying. And, and <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't want to condemn my father. Yeah. Because God knew that he would be my father because I didn't... I had a father who was there who was not a father. It, it was put upon me by God that all I wanted to do was never be him. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have my father to look at and say, I never want to be that man, I would have been that man because I didn't have someone to say, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I love my father. I bless him. He got saved when I, I joined the army, but he backslided and he's gone into... Dad, where does it say in the Bible not to do this? And he goes, don't worry about it. Trust me. I know the word. So he's gone into that. Kind of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I've tried talking to him. I've tried explaining it to him. I said, okay, Dad, what does the Bible say about being a father? What does the father, the Bible say about being a husband? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your part in the, in the marriage? And my parents separated last year. Oh. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of other things that happened, but... My dad sewed into the world mm-hmm. and not into his family. Mm-hmm. So because he did that, I get to see and I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. now he's, he's, he's alone, but he has set himself that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it has consequence. Exactly. Yeah. It does. Exactly. And God forgives it, mm-hmm. but we live in the fallen world. Exactly. So yeah, it's forgiven, it's forgotten, but sometimes there's still earthly consequence for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and God has him too. I would just speak that encouragement to you. Like if he, if he gave his life to Christ, he's not, God takes that pretty seriously. So he's going to have to maybe walk some things, and, but ultimately trust your prayers. Oh yeah. Come back. Uh, well, the Bible yeah. says it's, uh, it says for the sake of one, your whole house will be saved. Mm-hmm. So I want everyone in my house saved. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's having that faith, even if it even if it takes them to that very last moment. My grandmother, uh, my mother's side, was a very evil woman. Mm-hmm. She did witchcraft and she did all these sorts of things, and she. We could get blurry. Yeah. yeah. We could get, we could we could get, get blurry. blurry. Yeah. So, but in the very last moments, his, uh, my aunt was with her and says, Mom, do you give yourself to Christ? Mm. And she says, I lived a wicked life. I give myself to the Lord. And she, she admitted and believed and confessed. You know, you admit that you're a sinner. Yes. And she did. Mm-hmm. You know, she believed that Jesus died for those sins. Yes. And then she confessed out loud that Jesus is my Lord and Savior because that's what the Bible says. You do those things. And you are saved. You are saved. Praise God. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's Glory amazing. And yeah. it's honestly, like, I, there are some Christians that are like, well, that seems unfair. And I'm like, is it though? Because they had to live this life without God. And look how much you have right. learned and been blessed by having this time with him on earth. Mm-hmm. Theirs was 
by the skin of their teeth. Mm -hmm. But praise God that it doesn't matter. All it takes yeah. is to believe. The thief yeah. on the cross. Yes. I didn't give the reason to believe. I gave the reason to doubt the Bible. I didn't give the reason to oh, believe. Oh, yeah, go. Oh, go. <clears throat> You're back. It's better than mine. <laughs> Once you realize that the, the, you, you put your faith and trust into the word of God because you realize God wrote it. So when you know God wrote it, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to... Um, when you put your faith into that, it, the Bible says, for those who seek the Lord diligently... You're blessed. Mm -hmm. um, there was one thing that I learned about the word in studying. Um, I, I love studying. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to make sure I'm telling the truth. What'd you call me? A barista? I thought you said a barista. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love coffee. <laughs> if you want to study that, no. make me a coffee. But uh, I, I found out that the God's word has so much power you don't even need to believe in God for it to affect you. There's nowhere in the word when he says in, Re in the book of Revelation, uh, I think it's the first chapter, uh, Jesus turns around and says, for those who read my word out loud will be blessed. Uh -huh. For those who read these prophecies out loud will be blessed. Huh. Nowhere does it say believe in me. So when, when you read the word, there's nothing in there that tells you you have to be Christian for it to affect you. It had God's. The Bible is so important that heaven and earth can disappear, but what does God say will remain? His word. Yeah. His word is so important. Yes. That if we put our trust in it, it will not fail us. It's healed me to give me sleep. It healed me of my PTSD. I don't cuss. I don't have anxiety. And those things, the thing is, is that those things still come up because we still, we're still in our flesh. We're still in the world. Right. But when it comes up, now I'm aware of it. We have the sword, which is the word. And I lost hope when I was in Afghanistan. And, I, and, and that was one of my, the things I didn't realize. When I was having problems in my marriage, I was like, I lost hope. I need to get my hope back. Mm -hmm. And where do you find hope? You find it in the word. Yes. You put your trust in it and it won't fail you. Mm -hmm. And the best part about it is when I was giving my testimony at Upwards, I wanted to make sure that they understood you don't have to believe in God. You don't have to go to church. You don't, the word will heal you because God's power is in the word. And faith comes by hearing. And the faith can follow. And I told them, how many times do you have to read the Bible so that I get, let's say you're sleeping two, three hours, four hours a night, you're restless, or you get a whole eight hours and you still feel exhausted at the end. How long do you have to read the Bible so that you could get that rest one night? Your, your father-in-law proved that. That's the one thing I've always said. When I tell my testimony, they're like, oh, I don't have a whole week to read. No. Read one night. Read until you can't read no more. There's a reason for that because Jesus turned around and said that God, um, when he was being tempted by the devil and the devil told him, and he said, um, make these stones into bread. And God, and Jesus turned around and said, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. Where do you find the words that proceed out of the mouth of God? In the Bible. And what does that mean? What did Jesus compare the word to? Bread. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're feeding your soul. Your soul has been fed into the world 
the television and the, you go to work and you hear the complaining and you hear and you you you're out the world it's just the world overwhelming you consistently so what is it doing it's feeding into you especially when you're trying to fight it but we can only fight for so long mm-hmm. i the strength comes from god yes well, i'm i'm my strongest when i'm at my weakest why because god is my strength yes so when you try to fight it on your own you could last for a while sure because god has made you strong but you're gonna end up breaking you know and and that's the i hope i gave the, the part to believe i, I, I think <laughs> i hope i did i believe you have very eloquently in fact um we are like right at an hour. Yeah, we are. <laughs> wow. Awesome. This, praise God. Yeah. This is amazing. Um, Herbert, was there any like closing thoughts you wanted to end with? You know, God talks about tithing. And he says for someone who doesn't believe in tithing, test me. It's the only part in the Bible where God says test, test me. me. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you're struggling and you have depression and you have anxiety and you're so tired and you're drained and you're exhausted. I say, test the word of God. All you have to do is read it one time. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is, you don't have to believe in it. You don't have to trust in God. Mm -hmm. We look at at examples of other people, um, the cold case worker. Jay Jay Warner Wallace. Jay Warner Wallace. And we look at um, the guy who wrote the case for Christ. Oh, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel. Mm -hmm. They wanted to prove the Bible a lie. They wanted to disprove the existence of Christ. They wanted to say this is nothing. It means nothing. But what did they have to do? They had to conclude. No, they had to read to understand what the Bible was saying so they can prove it wrong. Uh Uh-huh. God's power, they started to feed on that word, Mm. even though they were against it in their soul and in their mind. There was nothing but hatred and evil inside of them. And all they wanted to do was say, this is not true. But they didn't know that the power of God then. Yeah. And the power of God affected them to the point where they ended up being his great, their great, one of his greatest testimonies is, I wanted to prove it wrong, and, and God mm. proved me wrong. And I couldn't. And yep. then they shared that with the world. Right. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow. Just Very give exciting. it a give it a try. If yeah. you don't, you don't have to believe that it's going to work. You can doubt. You can have doubt. If your faith is small, how do you increase your faith? You ask. God gives us all a measure of faith. Mm-hmm. We, uh, your faith is greater than mine, and I can see that your faith is greater than mine. And I'm like, Lord, I, I want that faith. How do I get that faith? You know, that's all a t-shirt that says that uh, have more faith than fear. And I went up to them and I wanted to see what they were going to say. How do I get more faith than fear? Mm. They didn't know the answer. Mm. The simplicity of it, you ask. You just ask. Lord, yeah. increase my faith. Mm. But reading increases that faith. Yeah. Yes. You know, and it, it grows with that. Oh. And what God has done for me, he can do for everyone else. God has uh, he's no respects of a person. Yeah. That means that he doesn't play favorites. That's right. So if it worked for me and your father-in-law proved that one night, that one day he gave another testimony inside of a testimony. Yeah. 
and didn't even know it. I think it's such a beautiful thing because that just shows me how living and active the Holy Spirit is. Because you were like, that's what he did for me. And the yeah. Holy Spirit's like, yeah, that's why I had you listen to it. <laughs> yes, this is your brother. It's, it's, it's awesome. Exactly. It's awesome. You know. Oh my goodness. I love this episode yeah. so much. <laughs> no, the when old, you when old. you were talking, um, maybe think of Acts 28, 31. It says he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Yes. And you talked about how you wanted the Lord to use you and I feel like this is the beginning yeah. you know of us. Yes. I pray that it is in all the glory to God. <laughs> yeah. All the glory to God. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and I I've learned from watching the um the Philadelphia Christian Church. They they're always saying glory to God when someone compliments them. Yes. And I learned from from um to me watching them is studying. Yeah. Because church is school. And I I, I my morning routine, uh, let me share my morning routine. So I get up, I read like uh, Billy Graham did, um, one chapter of Proverbs, five chapters of Psalms. Um, I'm studying the word. So I read one chapter for five days, five times, the same chapter five times in a row for five days. Mm. So that's number seven. And then I'm in my own study of a book and I'm, I want to read, I want to make sure that if I'm in the New Testament, I'm reading the Old Testament mm. and I'm studying, um, I'm in Exodus. So I get a, a eight chapters, and my goal is to get to ten chapters. Wow! But then before I start work, I listen to a sermon, mm -hmm. and excuse me, I'm listening to the word and learning. And every time I open that Bible, every chapter that I read, every time I listen to a sermon, what is God trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. What is He trying to tell me? How does this relate to now? Because God doesn't. Everyone looks in the Bible and says, "Oh, so old." That was for then. You don't seem to understand. That is for now. That is for mm -hmm. now, yes. He is he's a, a rainbow. We're the same broken world. Mm -hmm. He is <laughs> here now. He's not going to come down and he comes into the room and says, how are thou these days? No, right. he, Jesus is going to come and say, how y'all doing? Yeah, he's going to talk. He's going to talk normal because right. he knows the language and the, and the, and the, the terms and the words that we're using now. Yeah, culture. Proverbs, Proverbs exactly. says there's nothing new under the sun. So anything that we think is new, it's already yeah. happening. Exactly. <laughs> In history, yeah. you can prove that. Yes. I'm sorry, I keep talking. No, no, no. I, I love it. I had a thought. I think I've lost it. So we're just going to leave that. Um, yeah. This, praise God. Oh, I found it. Okay. Um, I love that you looked to Billy Graham and you basically did what Steve um, talked about in Philippians, right? Steve, when Paul says, mimic me. Yeah. If you don't know yeah. what to do, mimic me. And you did that. You went, who do I respect? Billy Graham. I'm going to do what Billy Graham did. And you know what? Paul literally says, hey, that's a good thing, place to start. That's a good thing to do. We look to those who have, mm -hmm. who have been running their race and running it well, and we mimic them. Yeah. And that's like, kind of reminds us as maturing Christians, all in those rooms, you know, and we have Emma here. That's my niece. <laughs> She's waving. <laughs> and, but it's just like, okay, what are we doing? Is what we're doing worthy of her mimicking? Uh-huh. And so... She's a future worship leader. She, yes. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. We have a lot of those in our mm -hmm. kingdom kids right now. Mm -hmm. Thanks to the Bears and the Archinals and their musical talents. <laughs> but it's just, you know, thinking of it from that aspect. Okay. What, is the, what does the Bible say? What does the breath of God say? How am I applying it to my life? 
But then also, how am I walking it and reflecting it yes. for others to see Christ? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, I'm, we're in a room full of endless, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be young in age, but, you know... Young in faith. We're even. young in faith. But how are they learning mm-hmm. from us? Yeah. Are we setting a good example? Yeah. yeah. I think that that's a takeaway for people listening is Herbert has found... A, a way to study that works for him. Mm-hmm. My way of studying is very different from his, but that's how the Lord has led me. Yeah. He is faithful to you and that has been faithful to me and that and he will be faithful to you and that. Just pick it up. Yes, that's the message. It pick it up and read it. Please, yes. please yes. read it. Just pick it up. You know, yeah. Herbert, I have a confession this morning. My alarm went off. I could not get out of bed and my husband's gone today. I think I was kind of dreading like, oh, like, he's not here, and I'm tired already. I did not get up and read my word. So, I, I, you have put me to shame, sir. No. <laughs> no, and not that I know. That's not your heart at all. Yeah. There, there are days where you abide. Yes. Exactly. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. I know God doesn't condemn me for that, but you're, you've, you have put in me, like, get up. The fire. Get up, yes. But remember what I said. I, I went two or three days without reading for whatever the reason was. I woke up late. I had to go to work mm-hmm. early. Whatever what was going on, and my wife noticed right off the bat. That difference. Did you read the word this morning? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> as soon as she does that, it puts me in check, and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna be quiet for the rest of the night. Oh, wow. <laughs> until I get until mm-hmm. I wake up the next day, and I will make sure that I get up early to read. I need to stay on it. That's the Bible's my medicine. Mm-hmm. That's my pill. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's the medication I gotta take for me because that's the cross that I carry. Mm-hmm. And I like I said, I remember bawling and crying and asking God, why are you doing this to me? Why is why is this so much? Am I not obeying? But now I've come to where Paul was at mm-hmm. and saying, Lord, I bless you for it. Yeah. I thank you for it. And I'm not gonna leave it. And I understand that I need it because it keeps me in check mm-hmm. with my father. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a little bit different. But you know, the way you do it, the way that I do it, because that's like you said, that's the way he's brought it up to us, and that is where he keep that's how he keeps us with him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, well, I think that's yeah, we a good place to stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could keep going. That's you made I'm the going. mistake of saying, Herbert, do you have well, one maybe, last thing? Uh, no, 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 that's fine. No, I just, we I would like we could keep talking. Yeah, we'd probably have you back and we could talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yes. I got plenty of topics. Hey, <laughs> come on back, seriously. Oh, yeah. I, got, I got one more. Yes. Funny topic. I realized that for husbands in the marriage, when there's an argument, for me, God has shown me that the husband is 90% wrong and the wife is 10% right or wrong. 10% wrong and the husband's 90% wrong, but there's a reason for that. Hmm. That's probably take another 10 minutes. You want me to explain it? Uh, <laughs> I got to get my... Let's save... Let's, let's table let's do that for next time. Yeah, cliffhanger. <laughs> because I just did our marriage one. And if, I, if, if it really wasn't for me having to get my son out of lesson, I would say go for it. <laughs> I think that we could have you back and talk about that. Yes. And your marriage, maybe uh, we could meet your beautiful wife, Tiffany. She's... she's what do you guys call yourselves when you want to be left alone? Oh, introverts. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
That's okay. I love you, honey. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We are introverts too. Yes, we, we are. are. We sorry. Nobody thinks that of us, but we're like, believe us, please. Yes. Yeah. That's I what ha- we were saying today. Yes. We can't handle. Yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we thank you so much for coming on. Thank you Herbert. for having me. Uh, we thank everybody for listening and we will be back next week and it's a surprise because I don't know what we're doing (laughs) so we'll talk to you next time and we love you we love you all and so we pray that God blesses you and have a great week yeah see ya see ya see ya